0: the message this morning, too. Boy, Brother Daniel, that was tremendous. It was just a great, great message, and uh, such a good word. Amen, from the Lord, from His Word. You know, uh, through the years, uh, I've often said that among God's greatest blessings uh, to me are the godly friends He's given me along my journey. Absolutely, hands down, no question about it. Um, friends who are what i who are, who are what I call the real deal, and I, what I simply mean by that phrase is this that they are people who have a genuine longing and a passion for Christ and his kingdom, and they, they live for the cause of christ that 's just you can just see it and, and it 's awesome it 's just awesome to have them as friends. I truly stand amazed and, and I can say this and mean it from the depths of my soul. Uh, though so unworthy, God has graced my life. Man, he's graced my life with such people. And it's a very humbling thing. Uh, that Just that aspect alone of God's goodness to me, to have those kind of friends. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. As a young adult, uh, my heart really resonated with a passage found in Psalm 113. I hope you got your Bibles. We're going to be looking at quite a lengthy passage. This is not it, but I do want to encourage you to follow along with me. Uh, I was going to tell you I've got good news, bad news tonight. Good news is these are this is the least fewest pages I've ever had for a sermon, and all God's people said Amen. The bad news is it's just, that's the truth. The bad news is okay. I hate to say it that way, but I'm just kind of having some fun here that um, I'm going to be reading more scripture than I've ever read in any message. Okay, so we'll see how it works out time wise. But here we go. This this passage really resonated with me, and ties in with how I started my message. Look at Psalm one thirteen, if you would, and uh, wow, look at this verse seven. He talking about God. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and this is pretty graphic. He lifts the needy out of the dunghill. Verse eight, that he may set him with princes even with the princes of his people. Isn't that amazing? Do you follow what that's saying? God takes us from those depths of degradation and of sin. Wow. And he gives us the awesome privilege of sitting with some of his very best servants, some of his godliest children. And that is awesome that God does that. He's done that for me. He has done that for me. Uh, I guess that passage came to my mind back in college, where it really began to kind of hit my heart. And my heart resonated with that. I said, yes, Lord, that's what you've done for me. God has been good. My heart still resonates with that statement. Now, you know, friendship, friendship means much to most people. All right? I think that's a true statement. Stories about truly close friends and tender friends, they, they warm our hearts and they can even sometimes create a wistful longing in our own hearts to have that kind of a friendship. We can just begin to imagine, well, I'd love to have a friend like that. I'd love to have that kind of a relationship, you know. So stories about friends, friends, they they warm our hearts, okay? They mean much to us. It's no surprise then that the stories about friends in the Word of God were drawn to them. We like those too. As a matter of fact, who are some of the most Who are some of the most well known friends that are in the Word of God? Help me out, somebody. David and yeah, man, that's a classic story, isn't it? Yeah, David and Jonathan. Wow. Though the king's son, he just continually was giving to David, wasn't he? Covering, helping him out. Wow, it's an amazing story. All right, who else? What other good friends are in the Bible that we love the stories to read the story about? Yeah, the four Hebrew friends, right? Those young men that were taken into captivity, Daniel and his three friends. And an amazing story there. I love that where the knock came to the door and said, Hey, you're going to die. Okay, the king's issued the command. All the wise men are going to be, their lives are going to be taken. And Daniel goes and says, Hey, guys, it's there in there. He he says, Let's go pray together. We, We got to get a hold of God, okay? We got to talk to God. And that's pretty neat. That's just a real, I love that story about those friends there. I think we could say that Barnabas and Saul. Uh, we're definitely friends, okay? Uh, man, yeah, what a friendship there. Uh, no question about it. So we, we enjoy these stories. Now, there's another story about two individuals that, that, that really bless my soul, and they stir my heart. And I don't, know, but I don't know that these two are primarily thought of in the context of being close friends, but I believe they really were, and I'm, I'm sure you agree with me about that. I'll tell you who they are in just a moment. Now, you're going to recognize their names, and most of you know their story pretty well, all right? One statement that was made by one of them to the other grabbed, challenged, and blessed my heart. And it is from that statement that I take the title of my message tonight. Now, here's the title of my message. Ready? Me and Thee. (laughs) That's the title of my message. Me and Thee. All right? Now, Before we look at the passage and where it's found, uh, let, let me set the scene for you. Okay, we're going to go back to the Old Testament days here. The people of God, okay, have entered the promised land. Moses is gone, of course, and Joshua now is the new leader. The walls of Jericho have fallen, and kings and their peoples have fallen as well before the people of God. Now... We're going to jump into this story where God's chosen people, they're on site, we might say. They're on site in the promised land. And they were continuing the process of taking into full possession the land that God had promised to them. All right? So that's kind of where we're at in this story. So let's go to Joshua 14, please, if you would. Joshua 14. And uh, I'm intentionally going to try to put the brakes on reading. Some of you have told me, "said man, Tim, when you read, wow, you go ninety miles an hour." <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try not to do that tonight. I know it's a lengthy passage, and we are going to read quite a bit of scripture, but I want you to see the story. I know, you, I know, we all know it, but it's it's really powerful to read over the details again. Now, so here we are, Joshua chapter 14, Joshua 14, and uh, pardon, a little faster. <laughs> All right, brother, you're getting worried, aren't you? Okay, I can tell you're getting worried, okay? uh, Joshua chapter 14, and uh, look at verse 1. And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, distributed for inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses, For the nine tribes and for the half tribe. All right. Now jump down to verse 5. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. So now we're at this place. Like I said, all these other events have happened. They're in the promised land. But now the land's getting ready to be divided. The inheritance that each tribe is going to have. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, said unto Joshua, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old, Caleb says, was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to a spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren... That went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, Joshua, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. That means he's eighty-five years old, right? The Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day, (laughs) that's amazing, as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day, how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, the giants, and the land had rest from war. Now, that's where we're going to begin our, our story tonight, okay? You know, you, you got to, and I know you do, you've got to love this man, Caleb. You've you got to love the spirit of this man, okay? He, uh, I, I can picture him walking up to Joshua. He clears his throat, kind of, you know, the land's been divided. It's been given as inheritance, to different ones. He clears his throat kind of in an obvious way, <coughs> Joshua. Uh, Could I speak a word with you just for a moment, please? And as Caleb spoke what we just read, as he spoke, the hearts and minds of those within the hearing of his voice, but especially the heart and mind of Joshua to whom he was talking, was filled with a vivid and powerful recall of those events that happened exactly as Caleb had described them. Now again, put yourself there and just try to imagine what it was like. Put yourself in Joshua's shoes for just a moment. And this dear man, Caleb, who all those years ago said, I want that mountain. He kind of rehearses in a brief form what happened back there in Cadiz, Barnea. And man, Joshua, he's standing there. It happens to us sometimes when somebody brings back a memory from long ago, and we can picture it just like it was happening right then. I believe that's the way it was with Joshua. He listened to what Caleb had to say. man, oh, yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day. I love the phrase, it jumped out at me. I love what Caleb said to Joshua. Joshua, you remember what God said concerning me and thee. Wow, I love that. Do you remember? You remember, don't you, what God said concerning me and thee. Now, I believe that flashback that Caleb gave Joshua... I believe it went down and touched the very depths of Joshua's soul. It meant much to him. That his friend was standing there now recalling that event that was so pivotal in their lives. That meant so much to both of them. Me and thee. Me and thee. You remember what God said about me and thee? Two men with a kindred spirit. It's attributed to Aristotle. And you probably have heard this before. But I love this quote. What is a friend? One soul in two bodies. Like that. I love that. What is a friend? One soul in two bodies. Caleb and Joshua, were the, they were friends. One soul in two bodies. And Caleb knew that. I think, he, yeah, he knew that. Because he said, hey, you remember what God said concerning me and thee? All right, something special. There's something special here. Now, Joshua and Caleb, they were one soul and two bodies. And I believe I can say this way, they were both the real deal. They were both the real deal. How neat a story that these two men were able to make much of their spiritual journey together. Think about that. These two very unique godly men were able to share much of their journey together in the Lord, in God, okay? And that's just precious. I like that. Now, what was it about the two of them that made them what I call the real deal? What, what characteristics were in their lives that made them so different? Okay, now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a listening assignment here, all right? I'm going to give you a listening assignment and I want you to listen as we read through a lengthy passage. We're going to go to the back story. Okay, the, the, the original event back in Kadesh Barnea. And so we're going to go back and look at that. And as we read the event, I want you to be looking for some things. And then we're going to take a few moments. I'm going to let you share what you see. Look for what were the characteristics of these two men that made them so unique that made them so blessed of God, that made them so much the real deal, all right, what was it about them that set them apart, why were they those kinds of men, so if you have your Bibles, let's, uh, let's go please back to the book of Numbers, okay, this is the back story, Numbers chapter 13, okay, and I hope you'll enjoy the reading, I'll direct you as to what verses we're going to move on past, and, uh, and then you can follow right along with me, I hope, okay. Numbers 13, here we go. Way back, here we have the story. Verse 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So the men that were sent out as spies, they were leaders. They, they were, weren't just your average Israelite. They were recognized as leaders. Verse 3, And Moses, by the command of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, skip over, if you would, please, to uh, verse 16. He's listed, he's listed the names there of the men and of the tribes. We're not going to read those, but verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. And see the land, what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they dwell in they be uh, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up, those twelve men, and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men come to Hamath, and they ascended by the south and came up unto Hebron where Ahinam Sheshai, Tamai, the children of Anak, the giants, were there. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it, wow, between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eskol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anik there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb speaks up, he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are are men of of a great stature." And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Now, we know this story quite well, but it's just good to read and get refreshed on it. Verse 1, 14, chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wow. They never had an idea that 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 was exactly what they were going to do. Because of their unbelief they were going to die in the wilderness. Okay? Many of them. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land? To fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, "Let, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, they rent their clothes also. And they, Joshua and Caleb, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not." But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of thee a greater nation and a mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he has slain them in the wilderness." And now I beseech thee, Moses says, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken. And, boy, this is amazing right here. This, this is not even, I'm not even going to speak on this, but this is precious. It's amazing what Moses says here. Look at verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Wow. In this context, that's unbelievable that Moses is saying, God, you are a merciful God. Even with these people having done what they've just done, said what they've just said, he goes on and says, "By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation." Moses then says, "Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from even, even as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now." And the Lord said, "I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live." All the Earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath wholly and hath followed me fully, excuse me, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess him. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Remember when they? Yeah, what they said. Would God we had died here. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones which ye Said should be a prey, then will I bring in, And they shall know the land which ye have despised. but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. Ten of the twelve died. God smote them. But Joshua... Last verse, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. Quite a story. I mean, it's a tragic story. It's a very somber story, isn't it? It really is, to think about those people and what they suffered because of their murmuring because of their lack of faith in God. But, <clears throat> thank the Lord for Caleb and Joshua. <clears throat> One soul in two bodies. Two men with a kindred spirit. Okay? Now, what I'd like to ask you to do is this. How about maybe in 60 seconds or less, a couple of you, tell me one thing about these two men that made them different. Just give me one thing. What's one thing you saw as as we read the story that made them different? Yeah, okay, Zach? Yeah, that's it, Zach. Okay. Now, listen. We we can say that in a lot of ways. They they believed God. All right. Um, they trusted God. Same thing. I want I want to use this phrase to describe that. Okay. They uh, they had faith in God. All right. Yeah. God God can do this. God can do this. Uh, don't you like what Caleb said back in Numbers thirteen, when he gave his report? He said, "Hey." Let's go up at once. Let's go now. Let's go right now. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Let's go now. You love that spirit, okay, of that man. His enthusiasm. But it was all based upon, Zach, you're right, his faith in God. Now, folks, let's talk about that for just a second. All right? How, and I know this is a simple question, and it may be confusing. (laughs) All right. But how do we know they had faith in God? How do we know that? Okay, their actions, right, show they had faith. Now, this is a simple thought, but it's, it's so powerful. Biblical faith is a verb. It's not a noun, okay? It's not something we just profess. It's something we do. Uh, it's something that we live out. It's really amazing. Sometimes, we won't do it now, but sometimes, and you've done this before... Go back and read what we call the Hall of Faith. And how many times it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And almost, it's unbelievable how many times that phrase by faith is followed with an action word. So faith is a verb, okay? So yes, you're right, okay? One of the ways we know that these men had faith in God is that they lived it out. There was action that showed that. Uh, Years ago, I heard someone say this, neat way of putting it. Faith alone saves. Do we agree with that? Is that true? Amen? Faith alone saves. But then the quote says this. But faith that saves is not alone. I like that. Faith alone saves, but saving faith, it'll never be alone. That means, and we know from the book of James, okay? Biblical saving faith will always be evidenced in works. Amen? Amen? Amen. We are saved by faith, totally apart from works. We know that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the Bible also in James teaches us, right? Yeah, he does. He says, man, if you've got saving faith, it's going to be seen in your life. It's going to be there. You're going to, there's going to be action that's going to demonstrate that. Now, yes, that's that very passage there in James, isn't it? He says that, makes that dogmatic statement. Yes, he does. All right, now, help me out here a little bit further. How else do we know? I think that's probably the most important evidence right there. But how else do we how 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 do, how do we know these men had faith in God? Pardon? All right, he did. Absolutely, he recognized that, didn't he? Yep, yep, yep. That's a good. Thank you, brother. That's a good thought there. God recognized that they had acted on their faith in him and rewarded them. That's a, that's a very good evidence of, of faith. Amen. All right. Could I, could I put it this way? Let, let, let's go back. If you've got your Bibles there still, look at Numbers 14. And, and let's, let's just take this really right here at face value. Verse, let's go back to verse 7. And they spake. Now, that's a key word for me right here. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Last part of verse 8 and verse 9. And the Lord is with us, fear them not. I think here's a simple thought, okay? There's another way we know that they had faith in God. Because they said they did. (laughs) Okay? They just simply said, we can take God at his word. They spoke that. They just simply spoke, I believe God. Then yes, then they acted on that. And that's always the case with biblical faith. But I like the fact that they, that they, that they just verbalized it. They said, I believe God. I believe God will do this. I believe God can do this. I know that he can. So they, 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 sp- they spoke about it. They said they did, that they had faith, and they were ready to act on that faith. Now, let's go back to our original question. Anybody have another thing that you saw in the passage? What made these men different? That's a huge one. Faith in God. What else would you say is a characteristic of these men? Yeah, Eric. They were willing to take the unpopular stand. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. You hear that? They were they were willing to take an unpopular stand. Now there's a lot of ways we could phrase that too. Okay, but we're all with you on that and and that idea there. Um, it didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter to them that the overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming majority did not think that was the way to go they did not have that faith in God and even though that was the case they still said want that land God can do it so yes you're right Eric Okay, I think that's another strong evidence of their faith is the fact that they, 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 were, they were resolved they had made up their minds it didn't matter what the overwhelming majority said about taking such a risky step okay Put them in hot water, didn't it? The people got so upset, they said, let's kill these two guys. (laughs) Let's stone them. Man, I mean, you, you think about that now, okay? I mean, the people of God, they were a sad bunch of people, weren't they? They really were. It's amazing. And even God himself... Man, how long am I going to tarry with these people? This immaturity, this this, uh, lack of trust in me after all I've done. You know, God's expressing his frustration with these people. But yes. All right, anybody else? Something that you saw. What set these men apart? Why were they the real deal? Anything else? They had a different spirit. Man, yeah. Don't you like that? Even that comment is made in the passage. Okay? Caleb was of a different spirit. Matter of fact, I think God was the one that said that. He's got a different spirit about him. Like that. Amen. Set apart just because of his spirit. Hey, by the way, we talked about this in our life group this morning. Let me take a little bit of rabbit trail here real quick, okay? But listen, we might have a tendency maybe to think, well, he, he was just a spirited man. And we all know spirited people. That their temperament is that way, right? Yeah, they're just spirited. They're enthusiastic. They've got energy for life, period. Even say unsaved people, okay? But we know about Caleb, I believe, okay, that the spirit he had came because of his walk with God, because of his faith in God. And God then says he has a whole different spirit than these other people. All right? Now, how can you and I have that kind of spirit? How can we have that kind of spirit? I love what Oswald Chambers said, and I shared it with our life group this morning. Listen to this. The Christian life is not so much about what we do as it is the relationship we maintain and the, and the atmosphere produced by that relationship. Now, that, that is so powerful. Because we have a tendency to make Christianity all about keeping a list and doing everything. Oswald Chambers said, hey, it's no, it's really about maintaining a precious relationship with the living Christ, walking with Him. And the atmosphere that is produced and that is given off from the life of someone who walks with Christ. Hey, let me ask you. Do you know anybody? Yeah, you do. All of us do. Do you know of anybody that has that type of atmosphere in their life? You know they're walking with Christ. You you can just sense it. You see it. You hear it. You observe it. Okay? Hey, that's the spirit that Caleb had. And I know. I believe it came from the fact, yes, he had that faith in God. He walked with God. So that's another good observation. Good. Anybody else? Something that set these men apart. Okay, Michael?
1: hmm. Um, I didn't know how uh, those three dimensions were weren't a way of uh explaining um what's in our hearts
0: as we're to demonstrate how they were. Alright, and so we yeah. and you know what? We know if in the old testament the Spirit of God came upon people, right? He came upon people, but he did not indwell them. Today, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, right? Huge difference. Huge difference. All right, good. All right, somebody else. Do you see something that maybe set these two men apart? Anything else? Yeah, Michael? Mm Mhm. Okay, all right. Looking, looking with a different perspective, right? Well, what, what caused that different perspective? Why, why, did Jay, why did Caleb and Joshua look at it the way they did? I believe it was because they had another spirit. I believe it was because they walked with God. They, f- they had faith in God. That made all the difference for how they looked at things. And you know what? It makes all the difference for how you and I look at things. Our faith or lack of faith in God heavily impacts, doesn't it? Yeah. How we look at the events of life and the circumstances of life. Absolutely. Very good. Okay, good. How about this? In Numbers 14, verse 24, if you still have the passage open there, look at what God says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and here look at this, and hath followed me what? Fully. Him will I bring into the land. Now, in Joshua fourteen, nine, a very similar statement that we read a moment ago when, when Caleb was kind of rehearsing the story in a brief form, in Joshua fourteen, verse nine. It says this, Caleb's talking, remember to Joshua, and he says, And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, what about that phrase? What about this thought that he, Caleb was a man who wholly followed the Lord, that fully followed the Lord? Uh, we could say it this way. Uh, we're familiar with this phrase, old-fashioned phrase. Uh, they were lock, stock, and barrel. It was all about living for God for them. Total, total. That's what their life was about. Man, that's what their life was all about, was living for God. Could I say it this way today, maybe in a language we would say? They were living for the cause of Christ. That's what their life was all about. Living for the cause of Christ. God said, land's ours, God can do it, we need to be obedient and go. (laughs) Because it's not about us, it's about God. We know what he can do. He said the land is ours, let's take him at his word, let's believe in him. Holy following the Lord, living for the cause of Christ. Now, I want to do something a little bit different right here, okay? I asked Andrew if he would to to get a song ready. It's by the, uh, the college out in California, West Coast, okay, Bible College. And uh, Daniel introduced this song to me a couple months ago. I had never heard it before. And what you're going to see is just a group of college kids. And we were all there at one time in our lives, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, But it's just a group of college kids who have a passion for Jesus Christ. And I've got to tell you, this is one of the most powerful songs I believe I've ever heard in my life. I've heard it many, many times since Daniel introduced it to me. And just even yesterday, as I sat at my desk and listened to it, I wept. I mean, I just wept because of how powerful the message of this is. It's a beautiful song, but you've got to listen to it carefully, okay? So if you would right now, Andrew, if you'll go ahead and play that, okay?
1: The only thing I want in life is to be known for loving christ mm. to build his church to love his bride and make his name known far and wide for this cause
0: Jesus,
1: my Jesus, for your glory.
0: that a powerful message you know I listen to that and I think can I really say can I really say that I'm all about the cause of Christ that that's the focus of my life that I'm living totally for God Caleb and Joshua were uh, now I'm going to wrap up here with some questions if I might and for us just to ponder and to think about. I hope I don't confuse you terribly. Because I'm going to massacre the king's English here. Okay? With this me and thee thought. All right, here we go. A question for us all to ask ourselves. And each of us have to just, you know, allow the Lord to do his work in our hearts about this. There's no one size fits all. By no means. thought about that as we were listening to the song, you know. Living for the cause of Christ will look one way in one life and maybe in another way, a totally different way in another life. But here's the question. Am I, can I say I'm living for the cause of Christ? Can I? Can I really say that tonight and be a person of integrity? Life for me is all about Christ. Is life for me all about living for God? Now, a second question, and this takes us back to the title of my message, is this. Do I have any me and thee relationships that is among my closest friends, people who I would call my closest friends, are there individuals who also are living for the cause of Christ that are pressing in that direction? Me and thee. Do I have any me and thee relationships in, in my life? I think it's good for us to ask ourselves this. Am I intentionally seeking to have those kind of relationships in my life? A me and thee kind of relationship. Now, let's let's do this. Take inventory for just a few moments here. And each of us individually think about our lives. Among our closest friends... Do we have any these who are living out their faith? Another thought. Among our closest friends, do we have any these who often speak of the Lord and how He's working in their lives? And then lastly, among our closest friends, do we have any these who are willing to take risks to step out of their comfort zone for the cause of Christ and God's glory. If we have those kind of friends, we've got a me and thee relationship. But that's kind of a challenging, those are challenging thoughts. I, I, I'm just personally, and I, I, I struggle with this too. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like I've arrived because I have not by any means. But, but brothers and sisters in Christ... Isn't it something? Isn't it something? How that we can get together and enjoy food, and we can enjoy laughing and playing games, and talking about everything under the sun, but speaking about what God is doing in our lives is so rare. It seems so often. My brother, who I dearly love, and you know that, and he's not a critical person. He's—he's he's a, he's a God changed him wonderfully when he got saved. But I remember years ago, he told me, he said, Tim, he said, you know, one day, he said, I walked up to a brother at church and I just was sharing with him something God was doing in my life. And he said, Tim, he said, the look on that brother's face just said it all to me. It was like he was saying, what planet are you from? Now, while that's funny, and it is, it's sad. Why, why is it that, that what God is speaking to us about and what he's doing in our lives is rarely a part of our conversation when we get together. Why, why is God himself so rarely a part of our conversation? We, I, I need, I need those kind of people in my life. You know, let me share something with you just totally, a little bit off here, but it ties in. I, as, as best as I can remember, I've only had one, and this is convicting to me, I'm pointing the finger back at myself. I've only had one man walk into my home all my married life, who, on a voluntary basis, just all on his own, as he and his family were walking out the door, stopped and said to me and my family, "Hey, let's pray together." Man, that slapped me upside the head. That convicted me. I've only had one man to ever do that. How many times have I ever done that? That's what's convicting. You see, we, we, need, we need people with a different spirit in our lives, guys. We do. We all need a Caleb. We need a Joshua. We need a me and a thee relationship in our lives. Now, there's another kind of inventory that we ought to take tonight with just some simple questions. Think about this. Am I a me? <laughs> this is really unusual, okay? But am I a me that a, that a thee would be drawn to? <laughs> You follow that? Am I a me that a thee would be drawn to? In other words, am I actively living out my faith? Do I regularly speak of the Lord and what He's doing in my life? Is is that a common part of my conversation with people? Or is it a very rare and then, am I personally, am I, am I willing to take risk and to step out of, my, out of my comfort zone for the cause of Christ and His glory? You see, if those are not characteristics of my life, thee is not going to be attracted to me. <laughs> Does that make sense? But you know what? Stay with me here now. Me's need these We have a pastor who is a phenomenal me. And he preached so wonderfully to us last Sunday. And he has lived it out before us. I've been here 15 years. That man has lived out probably as well as any pastor I've ever known, ever served with. He has lived out his passion for the purpose of Friendship Baptist Church. Has he not? Yes, he has. He, he, he has lived exactly what he has challenged us with so many times. And you know what? I preached this on his big day. Man, what can you do for a man like that to bring him any joy? Remember what the passage was? I have no greater joy than to hear my, that my children walk in truth. Hey, you know what would bless our pastor, me, more than anything? Is if he had a bunch of these living out what he has in his heart. Yeah. He needs some these in his life. He's been so faithful, so long, and he preaches to us. And he, he preaches to us and challenges us along those very lines. But every me in this room needs some these to come alongside him. Are you with me? Does it make sense? You know, we as parents, we need to seek such friends in our lives, and then our children will pick up. I believe. And we have opportunity even to teach them, too, that they need to seek out such friends. Now, listen, let's just be honest. Often when it comes to friends, we seek out, I'm talking about as adults, people with whom we can have the most fun. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, I, I like to have fun, too, okay? And some of you guys just live on it, okay? I mean, that's, that's your middle name is fun, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But that, if, if, that's, if that's what we're primarily looking for in our relationships with others, we're not going to have a me and thee relationship. Sometimes we pick people who really make us feel important. We like being with certain people because they make us feel valued. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we do, if that's the only criteria, if that's the main criteria, that's not good. And then young people, and sometimes not even just young people, but sometimes we look for those kids or those other people who have the latest cool gadgets, who dress, who dress in the latest fashions. We want them for friends. But you know what kind of friends we ought to be seeking? First of all, as Pastor reminds us so often, I ought to be saying to the Lord, Lord, make me what that song said right there. Lord, make me a me. Make me a man whose one consuming passion in life is to please you, is the cause of Christ. That's what we ought to be praying. Now, here we go. If you tonight have any me and thee relationships in your life. One simple statement. You're a very blessed child of God. You are a very blessed child of God. If you have people that are living out their faith. Who are taking risks for Christ and for his cause. Who believe God. They talk about God. They live it out. You are a blessed child of God. If you have that kind of a friend. That kind of a me and thee relationship. One last quote, again from Oswald Chambers. Man, I love this. Here we go. Ready? When you meet a man or woman who puts Jesus Christ first, knit that one to your soul. Man, when you see somebody that you can tell is the real deal. You make it your consuming goal. I'm going to have a me and thee relationship with that person. I want that kind of person in my life. I need that kind of person. I want to make my journey with that kind of person. Okay? Me and thee. Me and thee. Let's pray together, all right? Lord, thank you for your word.